the field, people will come. And it doesn't happen. You have to look at how you're doing business. Hello and welcome to White Sox Business, a White Sox podcast that really, really wishes it had some White Sox games to talk about, though I guess maybe we could start talking about Korean baseball later this week. Seriously, though, I'd, Tell I'd be Tell us how they know. Hell yeah. I mean, first of all, I just want to start by saying that playing the games at like midnight, pretty selfish on Korea's part, but that's just me. Anyways, as for White Sox games... I'd be okay if the team was in the midst of a 15-game losing streak right now, and we just had to talk about that twice a week rather than how they're, you know, how they're never going to win again instead of how they're never going to play again. Anyway, as for uh, who we are, I am Tom Fernelli, and joining me is the Athletics White Sox reporter James Vegan. James, there's a question I need to ask you because it's been gnawing at me for days. Now I wonder okay. if I could fall into the sky. Do you think time would pass me by? Oh, boy. Maybe we should record tomorrow when you uh, have some time to detox or um, whatever. <laughs> Why? Do I seem drunk? Um, I don't, I don't know. Just maybe uh, lacking melatonin. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you hate that song so much, James? I don't. What song are you referencing? That was Vanessa Carlton's A Thousand Miles. You had oh, some negative comments see, about it on Twitter the other see, day. See, there we go with not everyone actually memorizing it because it was really boring and sucks. And uh, Wow. Yeah, that never could get past like the first extremely sonorous first opening 45 seconds. So, What's it like to go through life seeing something beautiful and just hating it on sight every um, time? What What's it like to like Spend thirty years worshiping like forty grade pablum that uh, is is uninteresting and not very insightful. Thirty years. When do you think that song came out? <laughs> I don't know. Nineteen eighty one. That well, first of all, that's thirty nine years, not thirty. So now we're forty years back into, into the past. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, James, but a thousand miles is a banger, whether you like it or not. In fact, the fact that you don't like it. Probably just proves it's a banger. It's an all-time classic, and the world loves it. It's just, it's really dull. It, like, what is it talking about? It's, it sounds it's like. Ta- it's a love song, James. That's what, it, see, James, you don't recognize love. <laughs> you are if, a if robot. This was, if this was how someone feeling. declared, like, love to me, <laughs> like, I'd be checking my phone, like, halfway to the first verse, and, like. Huh? What? By the end of the thesis statement. Well, you know what? At least we figured out what today's poll, Twitter poll, is going to be about. I'm going to tweet <laughs> this out right now. We're going to get meta. All right. Poll. Vanessa. Maybe it's not really meta because it'll be out for a while by the time. Shut up, James. I'm typing. Vanessa Carlton's A Thousand Miles. And then the two options are banger, not banger. <laughs> Boom. It's out there. Vote on it, people. Right now. Go to Right Socks at Right Socks. I'm going to pin it to the top of my profile and everything. <laughs> I I wish I still had like three Twitter accounts I was in charge of managing. So I could vote Which, no three times. Which ones were you in charge? I mean, you had yours. Was, was the catbird seat one of them? Yeah. What was the third? 
Fox 28 News in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, I figured maybe it was like some sort of secret Notre Dame basketball blog that you wrote <laughs> anonymously. If only. I, I was probably too passionate about Notre Dame basketball to ever write about them on an objective basis. Do you ever want to do that, though? Now that you've got like an actual job, just start an anonymous site that nobody knows it's you? Uh, no. I think anybody who has like a separate time to devote toward that um, is a psychopath and probably has... The energy to like stalk the streets at night, killing and still operating their normal life in the morning. I okay. Well, shit. I mean, I was going to counter, but you've pretty much got me pegged. Um, before, actually, <laughs> <laughs> we should. We're, Early we're voting's not going our way. <laughs> we're going to talk about the uh, White Sox survey results that you published on the Athletic today. People should go read that. If you haven't yet, even though we're going to discuss it in detail here on the podcast. But, you know, why don't you read it while listening to the podcast? So while you open that up, we'll talk about something else first. On Sunday, uh, Lucas Giolito choked in the Players League final, letting down the entire city of Chicago. He was he was swept by Blake Snell and the Tampa Braves, proving that once again, that life is meaningless and there's no point in going on. Do you think that the White Sox should use this against Gio in arbitration one day? Uh, I mean, yes, undoubtedly, but I mean, he was he was just cl- clearly like outskilled, and like you you saw through the first inning of like the first game, he said something. Like, I didn't watch all of it because that after a certain point, it was uh you know. Well, was, you didn't watch all of it. It was a done mean, it's done deal like halfway through game two. That that's typical media for you. Oh wow, it's like oh sixth inning, just gonna go to the clubhouse and get my interviews ready. I don't care what happens in the game. I got a story to write. Uh, my wife likes watching the Prisker briefings every day, and so I, I just changed the channel Why? for her. I don't know. I mean, is there that much new every day? Um, compared to other, uh, updates about the situation, she finds, uh, his relative apparent command of what's going on <laughs> comparatively soothing. But, um... Yeah, like halfway to the first inning, Giolito's like, oh, this is going to be a long day because <laughs> he just kind of sees that he can't get Snell out with any consistently or keep him in the yard consistently. It, it reminded me of the 08 ALDS where, you know, once, like, I feel like Dwayne Wise hit like a three run homer in the first inning, but once, like, Javi Vasquez couldn't even, like, hold the lead in the bottom half of the inning, it was like, well, they're just, they don't have the skill set required because, like, their offense is stripped bare because Quentin is gone and Canerco is in his weird funk. Um, probably because his parts of his wrist are still floating around again. Maybe. And, <laughs> and if they can't hold like the little lucky leads they get, you know, they don't have a chance. If like Evan Longoria is going to literally homer every single time he comes up, they're done. Which is so I remember being like just excited uh, as a fan that they didn't get swept in that series because they just clearly were outgunned and. Uh, that was that was pretty much where the expectations shot to Giolito after like a half inning, and uh, unfortunately he was not able to avoid the sweep. Do you remember the one part of that series that always sticks out to me is when Orlando Cabrera got ticked off at what's his who was the Australian Grant Balfour? Yeah, <clears throat> and then it's like you know you get mad at him, and I think Orlando Cabrera might have had one hit in that entire series. <laughs> He was doing like this, like challenge me, throw a fastball by me, like stop being yeah. a coward stuff, and then Grant Balfour like promptly throws a heater right by him. I mean, that was embarrassing. I felt embarrassed. I mean, it should have been embarrassing for 
Orlando, but I felt embarrassed as a White Sox fan. <laughs> like, yeah, there was nothing good about that moment. Like, shit, that's that's going to be used against me at some point. Like, uh, you could, well, yeah, let's see. He hit, let's see, he hit in the four-game series. Orlando was two for 16, <laughs> three strikeouts. He was hit by a pitch, but he slashed 125, 176, 125, which is not the kind of results you want to have when you're going to be sitting there like, talking shit telling a guy to challenge well also like he was he had a 705 ops that year like he was <laughs> he slugged 370 i don't know what why was he the guy to do that in the first place i don't know but i feel like if anybody should have been begging for somebody to challenge them in that scenario it should have been bell for <laughs> he was probably pretty bored just mowing people down uh well that, right. that was part of what made um the 2014 Abreu grand slam uh and and it's, it's hard to imagine the rays held on to a reliever for six years uh now in hindsight but the the, the grand slam that Abreu hit uh as a rookie that was the big walk off that kind of announced his presence the big thing was that it was off balfour mm-hmm. so he was it was kind of like i don't know somewhat exercising demons a little bit even though it was an april game for a team that was nakedly rebuilding but yeah that, that was part of what made <coughs> cool well, the key to sticking with the raise for six years is never asking for a raise. I, I I would imagine it's crucial. Yeah. No, just in fact, I'll take a pay cut. Oh, okay. Well, you could stick around. Uh, so that's enough bad memories about 2008, which I really wasn't trying to get into. How do you so not think for... about that when you see the Rays? Just let's let's talk about when they got the swept White by Sox. the Mariners too. I mean, while we're on the subject of such happy times. <laughs> Yeah, do you ever think about, uh, you know, because Corey Brock with The Athletic uh, wrote an article about the sack bunt that Carlos Guillen dropped down that, like, Frank dived that and whiffed on. Everybody to, in the world saw coming, except the for the White Sox, that one? Yeah. I, I I was in school when, like, when they lost all those games. I don't remember, like, watching them live, so I really hadn't watched that play in, like, intense degree before. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was. What a, what a season to end in that fashion. I was watching it live with friends, at least half of whom were Cubs fans, and we're all sitting there screaming, bunt, 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 and then they bunted. <laughs> and apparently we were the only ones who realized it. Uh, to your survey, before we, we're going to go through this kind of question by question, although obviously some questions we'll spend more time on and some we'll spend less time on. We'll just, you know, give results and move on because there's really not to go into. But here I thought we'd be doing this in under an hour, but I guess not. <laughs> no, before we get into it, though, what was there any like main takeaway from you or something that surprised you from the results that stood, you know, that that you kind of just like, oh, OK. Uh, I mean, it's the approval level. Ninety six percent, I think, said in the right direction. And I mean, I expected Han to do well. I expected him to have more approval than not, but I did not expect like an above ninety percent approval rate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even I did, even, I did. Even coming Recency off of, bias is a hell of a thing. Yeah, but even coming off that off season, I, like it was kind of unproven. And, and some people, commenters point out, they still haven't like made the playoffs in seven years uh, under his <laughs> stewardship. I feel like I feel like that is something that maybe should be brought up when trying to judge a guy on what he's done sure he's never made the playoffs but he did sign guys this offseason so and like immediately it's just like well i need to do this more regularly to really have a feel for what these mean but Mm -hmm. there were no positive comments about the owner um in the comments and you know i don't think as a writer you ever hear 
positive comments about the owner. I don't know no. if any team like fans like the owner that no, that's just not really how things work. And it's kind of like the role of being an owner is like, yeah, you get to own the team and you get to be rich and have power and decision-making as a result, there's never really going to be public approval of you. Um, that, that, that's kind of how the power dynamic should be. So I don't know if like, I didn't know how to interpret the, the, the returns for Jerry Reinsdorf as just being, way better than I ever would have imagined or if I should pay more attention to the fact that he's like measurably worse than anybody else that I asked about the great the the great hypocrisy of sports fans is that they hate the owners and they always want the owners to spend more money it's just then when it comes time for the owners to spend more money by giving more of it to the players then the players become greedy and should just be playing for the love of the game I mean, but yes, but then everybody's on the owner's side when players ask for more. When um, apparently, when you ask people their opinion at large, they just actually the majority of them just love everybody. What a bunch of nerds! But anyways, yeah, the first question to the survey was, "What were your expectations?" And far and away, like nearly ninety percent of responses were either playoffs or in the race until the end. Just but under 9% had mild improvement, still mediocre. So, no one expected disaster, but I would say that no one, like, it was very literally much... Literally no one. Like, there were twenty, 1,214 responses and eight people said disaster, or I was actually expecting a pandemic. But uh, I, would, I would note that, like, the vast majority was this very reasonable, I expect them to be in it, but I don't necessarily think that they'll make the playoffs. Like, this very mm-hmm. humble goal. 70... 72% or so was that. Right. So it wasn't like a delirious, we're going to win the World Series type of um, optimism. It was yeah. very much like, we're going to be better and very pumped up about that. But it, it, like, uh, and something I pointed out, like the 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 Han rating is based off the fact that um, it is in spite of that they haven't made the playoffs while they're under them. And it doesn't seem like people necessarily expect them to break that streak this season. Which is interesting. What was what was interesting to me was like we, we went into the Han thing already, but in the two questions, in questions two and three, it was what is your opinion of Han's performance, and then what was your opinion of Han's performance this past off season? And Which, I think how much honesty can you really expect on that? Yeah, but I mean, I think there's a disconnect in that if you look at how they graded Han's overall performance, like nine percent of the people said they weren't satisfied or they wanted change. Yet when it came to rating the off season that he just had. Like twenty eight percent of them weren't weren't satisfied or wanted change. So, if that many people didn't, and it was the same amount of people answered both questions, if that many people didn't like this past off season, why the well, hell were so so many of them satisfied overall? The question was, what was your opinion before this off season of him? So I'm trying to track uh, whether the I'm fact sorry, that his off that season wrong. was okay. successful and, that makes you know, a lot more sense to me now. Whether that dramatically like upgraded your because obviously I think we're getting him at a high point. And so I tried to ask as best, as honest as people could, you know, were you about ready to be done with him if this offseason hadn't gone well? Which, so that's that just shows a huge shift based on. So that's the recency bias thing. It's huge, but it's not like we were all about to like, we were about to string him up. It was, no. I, he was still would have had like 70 plus approval. Uh, I voted not satisfied for both. If you're bored in the house, why not spend some time on yourself? Our sponsor today, Manscaped, is here to make sure you're well-groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped 
promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving thanks to their Lawnmower 3.0. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Shaving is about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped Advanced Skin Safe technology. Subscribe to the perfect package and get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. This is the perfect package for your perfect package. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC, all one word, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use code the athletic. Uh, what's your opinion on Renteria? The v- he's about sixty nine percent satisfied or great, and thirty one percent not satisfied wants him fired, which doesn't surprise me. There's always going to be plenty of people who want the manager fired. Although I don't think you can really blame Rick for anything that's happened under his tenure. Reinsdorf, we went over. Nobody loves the owner. Favorite current player. Yohan Moncada, who I voted for, got just over 30% of the vote. So he was about 2.5% ahead of Tim Anderson, who was in second place. Loy was in third. Abreu in fourth. Gio in fifth. And then Other pulled up the rear with 3%. Were you surprised at all by those results? Uh, I was surprised, I guess, that Giolito didn't do better. Um, I was. I mean, I mentioned kind of in the, in the write-ups for both that uh, the answer for the favorite player player um we talk so much about fan favorites it, it's essentially like who has the highest war <laughs> it's the favorite yeah. player all time and currently i guess like tim anderson probably wouldn't be as close to a mancata if he was had mancata's uh you know public image of not talking that much or speaking that that uh openly <laughs> very often um like if i think if mancata had like tim anderson's personality and public image he'd probably blow away the field but yeah, it, it seems like if you're the best player on the team, uh, that's who the fans like. Yeah, I was I was a little surprised by that because I thought, I mean, I think if the question had been, you know, like you said, if it had been who's the best player, I thought Marcotta probably wins in a runaway. But I, I didn't think he would win as far as favorite just because I know while, at least based on my sample, I know that there are plenty of White Sox fans who like Yon Mancata. I just feel like what I see in my timeline or in my mentions is more towards other players as being the guys that, you know, people consider their favorite. But again, Twitter's a self-selecting universe, so you should never really take anything you see there too much to heart. It's, it's, player- it seems like the favorite thing players can really do uh, is not so much like bat flip or have good tweets or volunteer in the community, but it's to wrap a double to the left center gap. Yeah. <laughs> That's what people really like their players to do. Stick to sports, baby. <laughs> Uh, favorite White Sox ever, not a shock. Frank Thomas wins that with over a third of the votes. Burley finished second. Canerco was third. And then in fourth was Other, which makes sense because when there's a lot more players to choose from, Other's going to do much better overall. 
Yeah, who was the person in here who had like no support that I, I regret even putting on because of how little they scored? Uh, that would be Jose Abreu. Who yeah, Abreu. <laughs> That's like, my, I guess I wasted my time on that. Um, some people in the comments mentioned Dick Allen. Um, I think he'd really have to be in that period of time to like Dick Allen. Yeah. He really, he, like, I think he was on the team less than five years. So Listen, I, I know. I know people younger than me who would say that Dick Allen was their favorite White Sox player ever, and I, I'm just sitting there like, come on, man. Don't don't try to, you know. <laughs> he's not really your favorite player. You're just trying to be cool or something. <laughs> you think it makes you cool to think a player that played 20 years before you were born is your favorite player. Uh, besides Lou Bob, which of these prospects will have the best career? Kopech ran, ran away pretty much. I mean, he had 54% of the vote. Vaughn came in second. I voted for Vaughn. He had 43.6% of the vote. I voted for Vaughn simply because I think that he's got the much safer floor because of his hitting ability, whereas Kopech's already had Tommy John, has always struggled kind of with command, and he just throws really hard. So I think that there's a chance that Kopech never really reaches anything, although I I don't think that'll be the case. I think that is a possibility, whereas I think Vaughn at a minimum is going to be a dude who's at least good enough with a bat to stick in the bigs. Theoretically, based on prospect ranking, Nadrigal and Vaughn should have been closer, which they weren't. But it seems like people have really uh, leaned into the doubts about Madrigal um, that a, we're kind I'm of trendsetter. Spring training was all about. Um, I I wonder how much I am to blame for just writing about Kopech too much. <laughs> <laughs> you take credit for Kopech. I'll take credit for Madrigal not getting as many as much love. <laughs> More Zach Collins fans than Jonathan Stever fans. Yeah, I well that I I would put that on you. I don't think you're doing enough to pump up Stever. I, I felt like we've done enough to push down Collins, but I guess we could try harder there. Uh, <laughs> where, where do the White Sox most excel? I agreed with the overall, the the, plur, the, the plurality, is that what it is when it's yes. not a majority? Yeah, okay. Uh, international scouting with 44.32%. I think that is correct. If, if you look, I mean, it's hard to say that drafting has been where they've been strong considering who was the actual last drafted player you know, to really pan out Tim Anderson. That's what makes Tim Anderson stand out is like, Hey, a first round pick that hasn't sucked. Wow. Trades giving up on hard Carl already. I'm not, but I'm just saying, uh, trades. I think that is heavily skewed by the, the sale Eaton and Cantana trades, which to me don't exactly strike as hard trades to make. It's, oh, you traded a great asset for prospects. <laughs> Well, it's just basically the fans saying, where did the core of our team come from? Well, they yeah. came from international scouting and trade. So that's where you feel like they've done best. Yeah. Uh, coming in in the rear was minor league free agency waivers rule five. That had six. Oh, that wasn't in there, but that had 6.63%. It just made me wonder. It's like, wow, how 80 people voted for that. How many people are paying that close to attention to minor league free agency and waivers? That's but basically free- asking Jose Quintana. Um, Narvaez and Yermin Mercedes or uh, Jimmy Cordero off of waivers, stuff like that. And it's kind of like who can ever really disappoint? What team you can't is like, disappoint? Yeah, what team the is crappy about that? The ones and that work out, and their fans are always angry. Like, why can't they pull more off the waiver wire? Christ! Yeah. It's like it's like the waiver wire claim that doesn't work out. Nobody's bitching. Oh man, I can't believe this guy didn't pan out. I thought he was the future. But what does it say to you when? Minor league free agency gets nearly 7% of the vote and regular free agency gets one and a half. Well, that's just kind of 
Is that a good it's, sign it's for the, a major market team? It's probably not a good sign, but that represents the kind of risk reward balance that people see with both things. Like everyone wants every free agent. Every free agent signing is so covered and so much hyped up as like finding an immediate solution to a, a, a nagging problem. So I feel like if it disappoints it, we track the performance and how much of fulfilled expectations are every free agent signing. Like you really, and because guys are getting paid market value, it's really hard for a free agent signing to overperform expectations and salary. Um, and if it is, it's because it's probably some guy who's a scrap heap signing or something like that. Someone who's barely differentiated from minor league free agency. And that's really not what you, when you're immediately grading a free agent class, that's not really even who even you're like paying attention to. Like where you, if you're really talking about like the major free agents that we assess teams off seasons by, it's, it's guys who can't really overperform expectations. Yasmani Crandall can't really like, overperform what the current expectations are because he's already coming in with the reputation of like the best catcher in the game so unless he turns into like peak mike piazza over over the course of his 30s it's hard for anyone to really say like well they got more than their money's worth for you as money grandal so it, it's just really hard for like a big ticket free agent to be I would like to say that I don't need Josmani to be the best catcher in the no, league. No, you don't need him, but that's no. I'm the saying way. me personally, me personally, I don't, I don't need him to be the best to live up to his contract. I just need him to be like you know, well above average for the position, and then to me, he'll have lived up to it. He can be eighty percent of what he was the last four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll be thrilled. Uh the next question was where do the Sox struggle the most, but you know those results directly counter what we just talked about with where they excel. They they struggle with player development, free agency, and then drafting. Duh. Props to everyone who uh, you know made sure to pipe in and let me know that they uh, they wish they could have answered all of the above or multiple things. Uh, I hear you and you're seen and and validated. And the fact that the the voting was so evenly split between three things, it's clear that uh, there were three issues that people mm-hmm. were concerned with. Do you think the White Sox are headed in the right direction? 95.31% voted yes. Only 0.91%, 11 responses out of 1,215 votes said no. And then about 4% of people said, I'm not sure. Yeah, I could just have a roundtable with those 11 people (laughs) (laughs) and drive some subscriptions. Uh, What are your expectations for the next five years? High expectations because... Nearly 70% of people, 67%, said three or more playoff appearances and at least one World Series appearance. And then nearly 9% said annual playoff appearances, multiple World Series titles. That is unreasonable expectations. <laughs> what, what do you feel is the reasonable option here? The- I put, I voted for a playoff run or two, maybe a division title. And that was my optimism. I don't know what how like how much do you want to like lean into not believing <laughs> three or more. Get but I'm saying though, like three or more playoff appearances in five years gets nearly seventy percent of the vote. <laughs> do you know how hard it is to make the playoffs three times in five years? Difficult. Yeah. So for a team that hasn't been in the playoffs for twelve years, for fans of that team to say that I think we're going to make three in the next five seems very, very optimistic to me. I guess I just wonder if you are subscribing to a uh, a paid site because you're that big of a White Sox fan, 
and you're like picking mired in mediocrity just because you have so little faith in things getting better. Like, does that point do you start <laughs> questioning what you're doing? Why you're so invested? Listen, I if if results were the only reason any of us would be invested, then why would any of us be Chicago White Sox or Chicago sports fans for the most part? Oh <laughs> five, baby. Yeah, I know. Uh which young pitcher will have the best White Sox career? Lucas Giolito. Yeah, that was a no doubter. He got over half the vote. Second place was Kopech, who got nearly thirty eight percent of the vote, which was a lot. I thought honestly Giolito would run away with this by a lot more than that. Cease was third, and then Ronaldo and Steven were essentially tied with under 1% of the vote, but I don't think there's too much to discuss here considering the season Giolito just had. There was who else was going to win that? So you're saying my question is boring and pointless? Yeah, it was a pointless question. But hey, you know what? In your defense, you needed to get to 25. I, I originally set out for 20, so I just oh, thought wow. it was so, so important that I jammed you, extra stuff in. So you could have cut that question. Well, well, good work, James. Maybe, maybe your polls need editors too. It had one. <laughs> John, right? Yeah. Wow, John, maybe do better next time. Maybe. I know you're listening. Probably maybe, not. you know, cut some of these questions out. Which position player will have the best White Sox career? Again, no surprise. Yohan Moncada wins with about 46% of the vote. Luis Robert, who has yet to play a single game at the majors, finished in second with 27.8% of the vote. Ahead, over 10% ahead of Aloy, who was in third with... Tim Anderson, Andrew Vaughn, and Nick Madrigal. Well, I would I would contend that Luis Robert not having played a game is to his benefit because yes. yeah. you haven't seen him be mediocre. Exactly. And which is why it, Ronaldo Lopez is drawing like nothing or barely yeah, outpacing and, Stever. And when a guy's still a mystery box, anything can be in the mystery box. Like, Eloy probably would have done better in this a year ago before mm-hmm. everyone saw him for a season and said, like, oh, that, sure. de- that defense is not going to be helping him. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, I mean, that's just how, that's how it always works. It's it, until they give you a reason, until you see a reason not to be thrilled, you're just going to be thrilled. Uh, what is the strength of the Sox roster minor league system? Blowout, positional core locked up to long-term deals. It was the only one to even get more than 10% of the vote. It finished with 82. In second was Young starting pitching, followed by financial room to sign free agents, followed by the farm system, and then in the very, very bottom, much to Hawk Harrelson's chagrin, effective bullpen options. Because I was told that baseball's a battle of the bullpens. That should have been the most important. I, I do wonder... I, I, I thought away a lot about how much kind of terming this... Um, like, I wondered if the language, I, I wondered how much I would affect this with the language I use. Because, like, if I wrote kick-ass bullpen options, like, it probably, like, gets one or two more votes, right? Or if I said, like, young potential studs or something like that. Like, James Feagan forever leading the witness. Yeah, I, I, I just don't know. But I, I, I didn't want to go too far. Here was a close race. What is the weakness of the Sox roster minor league system? Unproven starting rotation edges out lack of prospect depth by 56 votes. And then lack of financial room to sign free agents was in third, just ahead of lack of bullpen firepower. And then big contracts to unproven players was dead last because nobody's worried about that. But yeah, that's no, no real shock there. I think those two things that got over you know nearly 80% of the vote between them are the two obvious weaknesses. 
did I would note that I, uh, I I put lack of financial room slash will to sign free agents. My bad. And uh, I was editorializing a bit that I said that the bullpen options were effective in one question, but noted that they were just not high powered in the the second because they're not the traditional. Again, uh, you're leading the witness. Yeah. You are they're, not they're a sinker pollster. You will not be getting hired by what's that company that does all the polls? Um, there are too many of them these days. Yeah, the the one that was always been around. That one, you know, the good one. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain times when you don't want to have to go to the doctor's office to get help for a medical condition. If you're dealing with a condition like ED, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel any time. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash White Sox for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash White Sox for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Rate your satisfaction level with guaranteed rate field in terms of experience and value, one being the lowest and five the highest. Uh, five, the highest, got about 20% of the vote, but half the votes essentially were four, which not really a shock. Everybody likes the stadium, but there's always things that could be a little better in the minds of most. Yeah, no one really hated it. No one like was... it's 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 a nice stadium. I mean, like, all, I, the, I, all the bitching you hear about it, you figure there's something wrong. But who do you hear the bitching from? Um, People who aren't going. Coastal elites. But you mean Northsiders, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, the complaints you always hear about Guaranteed Rate Field very seldom focus on the actual stadium itself. It's always the location or, you know, it's just that kind of thing, whereas... People who go to the stadium have no real problem with the stadium. There's good food, there's good beer, and personally for me, there's barely anybody ever there when I go, so I've got, you know, free range over the place for the most part. I have a problem with the place. What is it? When there's a home run to the Goose Island section in right field, the goose doesn't honk. Boom, there you go. Well, you know the people to get in contact with. I do. See, see if we can get that fixed. Speaking of, how many games do you attend per year? Uh, this is somewhat, I think, worrisome <laughs> if you're a White Sox, although not shocking based on seeing you know crowds during games. But uh, about 64% of the respondents were either none or one to five. Yeah, I mean, how many people are heavy duty like attending? I mean, that's... Mostly a little under one a month. It doesn't seem like crazy low. No, but the, the well, nuns probably not so good. <laughs> you can have, yeah. See, that's the, like twelve percent saying none is kind of a that, concern. But again, that's, that's the part you want to reach. Some some of these people might not live in the area. It makes it really hard right. for them to get they, there. But yeah, that was pointed out many times. I just think that what's concerning though to see that few is like if you've got millions and millions of fans you can get away with them only going to one to five games a year and still fill your park when you have a fan base that's large compared you know it's 
it's the we're we're the smaller fan. Well, not we. I'm sorry, James. You are a respected, trusted member of the media, and despite what some of the commenters think, you're you're not a Cubs fan. Um, <laughs> I just think that when you have a smaller overall fan base, having them go to that few games is never going to lead to high attendance, which is something we see in practice every single year. What would people do to attend, or what would the White Sox have to do to attend more games? Shockingly, getting 50% of the response was have a better team. Yeah, who knew? And going back to what I was talking about with the way that they rate the stadium or people having negative things about the stadium, finishing in second with a quarter of the votes was different stadium location. A lot of people want like want to move the stadium downtown. By a lot, I mean at least three commentators. <laughs> And I will say, I understand, like, trust me, I think it would be great for the team overall if the stadium was downtown, but I think it would be such a giant pain in the ass. If you th- if people complain about getting there now, where I think it's incredibly easy to get to guaranteed rate field, no, no matter how you want to get there, by car, trade, whatever, plane, it's really easy to get there. If you put that thing in the South Loop, oh my God, it's going to be a pain in the ass. You couldn't take the, you couldn't take the... Red line or some shit? You could, but I'm saying for people who want to drive, like you can't take the red line from the suburbs. You Uh, know what I mean? What about the Metro? You'd be decently close, right? Yeah, but see, here's the thing, James. How do I put this without just saying it? (laughs) I don't think you can. If we consider the probably the underlying reason that most people think that the stadium is in a hard-to-reach place, do you think that those people are going to want to ride public transportation let's no and that's the funny thing is that i don't think that they're priced i think they the team is priced where um you know the average person really can't really go beyond the one to five games per year tier and so you Mm kind of need a broader base to really have a consistent attendance support uh with that so they're both courting that audience with their price level of the people who want to drive because they don't want to take public transportation. But um, it, it seems like the, the really the more support they would get is from the people who um, can't, can't really afford to go more than once per month because it's, you know, it's a, over a hundred dollar outing. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question. One that angered me the most and showed how dumb Everybody. <laughs> a shortage of pretzels in the press box provokes a battle royale among White Sox beat reporters. Who survives? Scott Merkin gets 31% of the vote. James Fegan gets 27% of the vote, finishing at second just behind Merkin. And in fourth place, also behind Adam Hogue, is Daryl Vance Gowan, who would win. Yes. I voted for him. You voted for him. The people I didn't who vote in my survey, but yes, I would have voted for him. Everybody on this survey would have voted for Daryl. Just putting that out there. I mean, if anything, he wouldn't win because we would all plot like, listen, the way we're going to get out of this is if we neutralize him early. (laughs) But then again, the plan goes to shit because Merkin's too busy watching the Michigan game on the TV monitor. Maybe Michigan loses that day. He's filled with like murderous rage and he takes us all out. No, no. But Michigan. Like a lawnmower cutting grass. Michigan that day has beaten Akron and he's now convinced that they're going to win the national title. (laughs) All right, who's been your favorite White Sox announcer over the last five years? Jason Benetti got 44% of the vote. Got a lot of snarky comments, though. Yeah, I mean, I've, you either love Benetti or you hate him in a way. I don't know, hate him. I mean, is, is Benetti really the love him or hate him type of guy you think of? I think 
I, I don't think personally, no. But I think that for his approach, there's, I mean, there's always going to be people that like Benetti, but there's always going to be those fans out there who are just like, like some of the comments said, you know, stop trying to be funny and just call the game. I don't want any personality. I just want you to be a mindless drone telling me what I'm watching. I don't know what people want. Eh, people just want to complain. And if if somebody's in your living room as often as Jason Benetti is in your living room because you're watching White Sox games, you're going to find something that you don't like. And a lot of people just focus on the things that they don't like. But he finished in first, Stone finished in second, Harrelson finished in third, and then in a distant fourth was the late Ed Farmer, who was way ahead of Darren Jackson and Andy Mazur, who really... <laughs> I don't know how fair it was to include him on this. I poll. didn't know how fair it would be to not include him since he's I like. Know. No, I know you have to put him on, but I don't. I don't think Andy's in a position to where he had any chance. Andy he has got not had the votes. opportunity to build up a cult of Mazer personality that people are following along. But, you know, give it time. Andy, Andy got seven votes, which came from Andy, his parents, and his four siblings. <laughs> Mike Farron. <laughs> but hey, you know, you never know. Mazer, give him a few years in the radio booth. He might prove to be somebody everybody loves. Well, everyone's a lot of people decided they hate him already. Yeah. <laughs> Which just seems like he was getting the ed the ed votes that I wouldn't allow people to um pelt at the recently deceased. Yeah, because Lee's favorite was DJ came in first with 38%. Hawk was second with 31. Now, Hawk, there's that person that's love or hate because yeah. he got 21% has been his favorite. That's the person when they say 30. love him or hate him. They really mean are trying to address both audiences, which are very real. But the, my point is that love him or hate him is going to be anybody who's the one that's most frequently in the center of the attention. And, and, that's, that's, and Hawk was not ever far from the center of attention. Exactly. But this is also, to Benetti, he got, you know, he got the fewest responses for least favorite. Yeah. Those, those, those. More people dislike Steve Stone than they dislike Jason Benetti, which means that, like, what, the 2004 Cubs were voting in this? Which year was that? There was, like, the mutiny on the Cubs? Yeah, was, I think it was 04. The 43 yeah, people who vote against Benetti are really running to take a pipe to his shins, though. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a strong dislike. Uh, what kind of content? Who cares? <laughs> This is this is for you. This ain't for the people. Yeah, I didn't Although, even really include it in the write-up very much. Yeah. Uh, how often do you listen to the White Sox business podcast? This is the question we wanted to get to. This was uh, gutting. <laughs> the winner was never heard of it with 31.65% of the vote. In second place with 28% of the vote was heard of it, but don't listen. <laughs> so. So 59% of the respondents do not listen to this podcast, and to those 59% who aren't listening, go fuck yourselves. What about the, the 39 who would say, I'd listen to it if you weren't on it? That was only, oh, 39 voters. Well, yeah, you know, they're not listening either, so fuck you. Everybody else that is listening that voted, I've listened a few times, but it's not a priority or a regular listener, or I go to the Apple Store and subscribe every phone and iPad to it. You're the real heroes. You're the reason we do this. Also, please ask the people who don't listen to listen to us. I wasn't please. serious. Please, we need you. We need you. They're going to kill question, Cam. And then question 25, which was a total cop out to get. What? <laughs> question 25, which was a total cop out just to get that 25th question was leave your comments. So I want to highlight some of my favorite comments that I read through because you sent me. There were 22 pages of comments that you sent me. Did yeah. you read through all of them? Uh. 
I'd probably at this point, given how much I've cut back and forth through them, yeah. All right. Well, I didn't. I, like, I didn't just like go one, two, three, four, five because that'd be a trip to madness. But I've, I've perused them a lot. I did not read all of them because it was just okay. But vast majority of them were just typical kind of. I, did, I didn't read like every single one that said like hopeful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of them were just short, and then there were a lot of responses that you'd expect, but some stood out, and these are some of my favorites. We'll start with. Al Albuquerque only gave up one run in eight innings in 2017. His whip was .625. The fact he wasn't in the bullpen in 2018 continues to be the most heinous crime committed in the history of sports, professional or otherwise, and I won't stop thinking about it until the day I die. Spot the lie. <laughs> was that you? No. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I was in AAA Charlotte. And uh, I was sitting, I don't know who I remember I was waiting for. It probably wasn't like a, I think I was waiting for like Alcides Escobar to write some story for like the Royals site, basically saying like, you know, here's where this guy is now. And I'm sitting there waiting and like Al Albuquerque like walks out and like walks up to me and like sits next to me and is like, all right, let's do this. And I was like, all right. Like I had never met him in person, but I'm very sure you're not Alcides Escobar. <laughs> And the media rep like stumbles out of the, like the hallway, like, "Oh no, Al, he's farther down the way." And it's like the Spanish language a radio announcer was going to interview Al Albuquerque, <laughs> but it's like it's like twenty seconds of Al Albuquerque like looking at me, like, "All right, I'm ready for this interview that I've agreed to do." And me looking like, "I'm not going to talk to you. Who are you?" <laughs> and later he got called up. All right, uh, next one. This was this was a comment I, I included this one simply because it kind of covered a lot of comments. I fear a typical Reinsdorf approach, do about 80% of what's necessary, and then outsmart slash underfinance the obvious final move. Sigh. Anything? Um, I mean, there were a lot of anti-Reinsdorf comments in there, yeah. and that was yeah. one of them. That was probably uh, one of the least uh, vitriolic. Going back, to tell J this is what we were just talking about. Tell Jason Benetti to focus on the damn game and quit trying to be the cleverest guy in the room. That's, you know... The, the 43 voters, those that's that's how they feel. As, as someone else who's the cleverest guy in the room, you can't turn it off, man. There, there's there's no escape from this life. This, the life chose me, not I didn't choose James, the you're the third cleverest person on this podcast. <laughs> Yet the most clever guy in my bedroom. So there you go. <laughs> uh, I like this one. The White Sox are like a bottle of Aldi's generic wine. Cheap, but if you wait long enough and lower your expectations, maybe it will actually be okay. <laughs> That's that's how I approached dating in my twenties. I uh, I have been going to Aldi a lot while well, during the pandemic, but I haven't bought their wine yet. So that, that that's just an experience I can wait out for. Uh, this was this was my next favorite one because you wrote in the question if I if I recall in the post where you asked for the survey, you wrote something about you had jokes written. <laughs> Which I didn't right, get to so use. This, I was I, yeah. I gave a bunch of like jokey like sample answers for how people could respond to the survey. Like if you love Rick and Maria, one of my jokes is gonna be like you you're hoping that they've already signed into another secret extension of unknown length. <laughs> but like halfway through writing like jokes for like literally every answer, I was just like, This people are just gonna pick their favorite joke. Yep. So this person wrote his actual comment was Chicago is set to go back to being a respectable Sox town. But then, in parentheses, he wrote, if you, quote, had jokes written for this, you sure as hell better have jokes ready for any cub-related survey you do. F you and your smug cub allegiances. 
the one thing part of it is that promotions coming where I'm doing Cubs articles as well. That's big professional news for me, apparently. So you're going to be writing on the Cubs now, too? Yeah, I'm doing the Mark Gonzalez route where uh, you know I move on to bigger and better things. So there's not going to be a dedicated White Sox reporter? Yeah, just three Cubs reporters. Congratulations. What I always dreamed of doing as a boy growing up on uh, in, in Hyde Park, Kenwood, writing about the Northside team that I hated. Congratulations, James. Thank you. You finally get to cover the team you grew up rooting it for. It was weird to find out the news this way, but you know, I still embrace it. <laughs> uh, we'll move on to the next comment. James Feakin is criminally underpaid. White Sox are going to be fun. Fernelli is fine. James, it's okay. It's not your fault. What, what are they referring to? I don't know. Just probably the your pandemic? sunny disposition. Your sunny disposition makes people think that you're always super happy. Uh, more like lames vegan. Am I right? That was not me. I didn't see that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to take your word for it that it's there and you didn't just come up with it. It is. Uh, hashtag fire Tom Fernelli. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? I saw that one. Yeah. That uh, one's real. I can confirm it. That was probably you. Uh, you and Tom should put on like a bo- <clears throat> you and Tom should put on like a boxing match between you two while there's no sports to watch. It would only last ten seconds, folks, and that would be nine seconds of me just kind of standing there before I punch James in the face. <laughs> be thrilling. Uh, well, I don't know. I'm not going to underestimate you, James. I'm pretty sure I could take Cam quickly. So you're saying you know, you're saying fifteen seconds, maybe. No, I think maybe a minute because, I mean, I'm not really in shape right now, so I'd probably gas out pretty quick. <laughs> I'm at a good weight. I don't think I'm in shape. I don't know. I mean, have you ever been in, like, a fight? I mean, yes, I almost got held back in school because of all the fights, but as far as, like, boxing matches, no. No, like, I mean, they're tiring. Oh, yeah. You, you, you only got really four good punches in you. Yeah, it's like, that's the thing. That's why most fights end is that, like, the two people in it, if it's only two, sometimes there's a lot more. Just everybody's kind of getting tired, and it's just like. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, it, most fights end because they get broken up, but they also, <clears throat> they slow down in pace so much that they can get broken up. Like Yeah, that's why they get broken up is because everybody slows down enough to where somebody can jump in and separate them. It's like, while well, you're, like, spending nine seconds to load up one right hand is when, you know, the teacher can, like, rush in and <laughs> pull you apart. <laughs> <sighs> poor angry little james so angry so tired yeah very so winning. when are you gonna do the next survey in like a month uh yeah why not <laughs> see how things have changed i like i really th- like something that i had to take away from this is that you know i, I feel like spring training it like it on one hand it would be like scientific to do it the same part every single year but if you're measuring at spring training every single year, you're like that's optimism's peak. Like, really, you should see how people feel in like August, because I feel like even with good seasons, and maybe I'm just thinking too much of 2005 here. August is really when maybe even the excitement of the fact that you are a first place team kind of dies down, and you're thinking more about what you're anxious about for the playoffs. Now, obviously, if your team like cleans up the trade deadline, maybe that catches you at another peak of optimism. But there should be another. There's probably another good checkpoint in the year to contrast with end of March or, you know, end of spring training. Obviously, I did not do the survey in end of March, but um, just another point where optimism is kind of on the downslide and maybe people are, are at a state of cynicism about what kind of hurdles lay before their team. 
Uh, a survey we did in May, actually, after 1,086 votes so far and still counting, Vanessa Carlton's 1,000 Miles is a banger, according to 87% of respondents. James, do you have anything you want to say? Um, I, I wish I could bang all of... No, that's not good. Wait, what? <laughs> I, who, who do you want to bang? Get back to me in like three months. I, I would agree with, uh, not not agree, but my favorite response is uh, Margulis saying that it's a supermarket banger, which I, is definitely a diss. No, it's not. Supermarket bangers are bangers, dude. I've got I've got plenty of supermarket bangers on my Spotify playlist. All right, uh, let's let's go to shout outs. Another self indictment. Wow, you know what? My playlist would probably kick your playlist's ass. Uh, no, right. it wouldn't, because it's getting its zucchinis for the week. It is it is that time of year. But uh, time for shout-outs. I'm going to send a shout-out to Mark Silverman, the ESPN 1000 radio host who, you know, it, who told us a couple weeks ago that he is suffering from stage 3 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, just letting you know, Mark, I'm thinking about you. I'm sure you're going to pull through. James, who's your shout-out for? Uh, my shout-out is to the... Uh, I don't know if I should necessarily shout-out the three young women who were... Uh, twerking out the side of a Jeep racing down Sheridan Road uh, yesterday evening while my wife and I were walking to get some food from Why Firebark. wouldn't you shout them out? Uh, well, they're mostly because I feel like they can shout themselves out and we're doing so uh, on their own, um, own accord. I would say that their faces were six feet away from one another. I don't know if they were keeping that long term. Uh, I don't think uh, there's been much talk about how you need to cover the butt. Uh, and the coronavirus uh, cautionary, so I, I guess they could have been social distancing, but uh, m- mostly it was just showing that the human spirit will not be repressed during this time. I would think that if the coronavirus is like the, the, the flu, then the butt is something we should probably cover, too, because the butt plays a large part in having We, we never really, like, explore the concept of whether the butt should stop being covered in any situation, I guess. So uh, probably the assumption is that it... W- the coronavirus situation is not an exception to the general um, advisory to cover the butt as an orifice. Um, I think I think it should be a butt by butt cases. Personally, well, then how do you get like I, how do you know what case your butt falls into? Like Pritzker's not addressing that every day. Well, m- my butt probably not because I haven't been hitting those Brazilian butt lift. Yeah, you know DVDs lately, but you know I can get back there. If I have to, if 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 I have the desire to be able to show my butt publicly, then I, I will get in the gym and I will get to work on it. If or I'll our, just if our Wednesday guest cancels, I want 10 minutes on this. <laughs> oh, wow. Should we tease our Wednesday guest? I don't, I don't think it's that. Well, <laughs> Let's keep this. <laughs> I don't want to disrespect him, but I don't think it's that level. <laughs> That's right. It is, it is uh, Highland Park Comptroller <laughs> Dave Johnson. Uh, yeah, so who's it going to be? It's gonna you're going to be... have to tune in to oh, find out. Oh, I thought you were asking. <laughs> no, you're, no, I, I, I read our texts. I know who it is. Oh. But for the people listening I to I thought know, you were asking to set me up to say it on air. Like, you know, a little... Like, you know how Benetti sets up stone? I, I'm the stone in this situation. And you're the guy that people strangely hate. I think that is the meanest thing anybody has ever said about Steve Stone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I doubt it. Steve, if you're listening, I'm sorry you had to hear that. Uh, But thank you for listening. Thank you to the rest of you for listening. 
We will be back later this week with our surprise special guest. Who is it? Michael Jordan. Oh. What the fuck, James? <laughs> Sorry. That's right. Michael Jordan will be on later this week to discuss his time with the Birmingham Barons. I hope you tune in to listen. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>